Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rewild My Bio. I am super pumped to have you with me today as we dive into the first episode of Foraging. This was something long time coming for me. Um, in fact, it was such an effortless episode to put together. Having Richard here with me, it was uh, just a great conversation. And as always, I learned a ton from Richard. So yeah, today we talk about all things spring foraging and getting outdoors and getting some fresh air right now, which feels also very, very good. And yeah, today we talked about dandelion, garlic mustard, and wood nettle, not just your regular stinging nettle. Um, So again, I had learned something all about wood nettle today. And uh, yeah, I think these are a great, um, this is a great episode if you're new to foraging. We discuss a little bit on ethics of foraging, which I think is important if we're going to get into this topic. And I'm sure we will continually talk about ethics as we talk about each individual plant. And obviously that relates to a specific bioregion. So where Richard and I are coming from in southwestern Ontario is a lot different from somebody who may be out west. So hopefully you know your land in such a way that you know how to ethically harvest some things. Speaking of ethically harvesting, I had left a patch of uh, wild leeks, ramps. Um, I haven't touched this patch for a couple of years. And um, coming back to it this year, actually, and I hadn't even been there at all during the season the last two years because of this pilgrimage that I was on. Anyways, what I realized in coming back to it is that this patch is, it doesn't seem as bountiful and as plentiful as it used to. So I'm actually going to be careful and make sure I do not over harvest or harvest any. I literally took like a few leaves the other day. I didn't think they were ready yet. I came back still not quite as I remember them. So it's right off of a uh, public walking trail. So I'm just going to leave it alone altogether because I think that, um, yeah, just got, just got the signal, no dice. So yeah, hopefully you're interacting with your land in such a way and you're being mindful and knowing it enough to know when to say uh, none none this year, right? And we want to protect all these wild food sources as resources that are out there. So anyways, yeah, we did a great job talking about that. Um, obviously, we're talking about getting outside and foraging. If you um, have the luxury of doing so, if you have public uh, conservation areas that are not closed, I luckily do have a few certain things are closed in my area. So obviously, I'm not going to say go out and uh, do anything that would be crazy to say this right now, but illegal walking on a nature trail. But um, yeah, I've seen things, signs posted saying fines and all things like that. So just be careful um, where you're walking, know where you are allowed to be right now and being respectful. But obviously, um, a big, big purpose of this show is for me to share my research into uh, the health benefits of time spent in nature. And this is a relatively new field, scientifically speaking. Yes, Super old idea, but um, you know what I mean? Science sometimes talks the language of these folks who um, make ridiculous laws saying get off beaches and such. But anyways, um, it makes me, I'm a little bit upset, okay, to be quite honest, folks. I've been doing Tai Chi um, on the beach for last couple weeks just to kind of send out positive vibes and kind of realign myself. Here I am thinking of the world's greater good and now I'm not allowed to do it. So, you know, it's just... uh, just interesting. So I'm going to uh, double down, do Tai Chi in my backyard and double down and get this uh, dissertation written so I can uh, start doing more interesting studies. And uh, yeah, I got a lot on my mind in that regard. So I'm trying to yeah do my best to stay centered. And part of that is getting out and foraging for some of these things right now. So actually, yeah, I got a big old belly full of dandelion just the other day and I'll probably go get some more. And uh, yeah, again, wild leeks I know of another spot where I'm going to um, do some harvesting and some foraging there. But anyways, yeah, if you have the opportunity, I really do want to hit that home. Get out, be safe. Um, You know, if we can get out to a nature trail right now, do so. If you can get out and uh, journal at the base of a tree, yeah, do so. All these things. If you have a window, um, yeah, and that's all you have, open it up, get some fresh air. If you see a tree, connect with that tree. There's so much we can do. And I mean, right now we're losing control of certain things. And to me, that's very alarming. As one who is um, super into having freedom over my own body and taking care of my own self, uh, I see medical sovereignty an issue right now. I'm sure we all do if you're paying attention to this sort of stuff. Uh, Food sovereignty being another one, having things like marinas closed where fishing this time of year in certain spots literally fills, I know, 
family members, myself, tries to fill our freezer with uh, protein from the local landscape, and I'm not able to right now. And that added to the fact that we didn't have ice this winter, um, so no ice fishing. And yeah, there's a protein source gone out of my life for essentially months. So I guess what I'm trying to say about sovereignty is that one of the main goals of this show, one of my interests professionally, personally, is food sovereignty, food security, uh, medical sovereignty, health promotion, right? Doing things that doing things here on this show to give you guys the tools to increase control of your health is a big part of why I wake up in the morning. It's my purpose here on light on this earth. So the fact that they're under attack right now, it kind of just, again, another thing for me to double down on is the message here of the show and getting it out. So I really appreciate anybody out there right now who is sharing the show, whether you're sharing it electronically, telling a friend about it. If you're rating and reviewing, that also helps more people find it because all these algorithms right now, um, if we want to get certain messages out, we need to play the game of the algorithm. And uh, given this show and even my research, a big part of my message is to unplug and go outside and enjoy and benefit and commune with nature, right? Um, That's counter to a lot of the telecom industry's uh, mission to get more people connected all the time. Now, in my defense, guys, I still use all this technology and I still carry my phone out with me into the woods. But anyways, I digress. But what I'm trying to say is that if you enjoy this content, um, sharing it, and if you think food sovereignty, medical sovereignty over your body is important, then please share this uh, show with your friends. It means so, so much to me because this will always be a platform for marginalized voices within health science literature as well as um, individual experience whether it be from meditating under a tree to uh, someone's psychedelic or near-death experience. Um, Again, if you head back to those first few episodes, I did my best to kind of lay a platform or at least show the foundation of what the show is shooting for. So obviously with this coronavirus pandemic, it taints things in a certain way, but at the same time, the very mission of this show has always been to get back in touch with nature for our health, for the health of the earth, for the health of all the animals. And right now we're seeing with economy slowing down and industry pulling back, we're seeing greener spaces and the environment, nature everywhere. I think right now Mother Earth is super happy. So as we start to pull things back online and get back to doing things, and again, it's been great to see everybody slow the economy down for the benefit of vulnerable vulnerable people. That's a beautiful thing. But as we get up back online, what parts of our economy, what parts of our society can we realign in a sustainable way with nature? Just such a great question. So um, I really appreciate everybody again for listening, sharing. I really do appreciate anybody who has shared this episode. It is needed more now than ever. And I've been really appreciating all your comments and feedback direct messages saying, yeah, this show right now, it really means a lot to me. And yeah, I really like what you're saying. And the fact that you have, you know, people are even saying I have the guts to say certain things about, you know, speaking scientifically about um, electromagnetic frequencies and uh, non-ionizing radiation and potential dangers, potential being the keyword, right? And um, again, this all relates to my research. So I hope to be able to share this here on the show and doing uh, certain things like, you know, subjects like electromagnetic frequencies or junk EMF to be able to do that in a non-biased scientific way to let you guys then make your decisions as to whether or not, um, you know, we want 5G say, or whatever, or if we just say, let's study this stuff some more or let's do fiber optics or so many other opportunities, right? So this is a, sh- and I, this is a show for ideas. And I hope that if you guys share these ideas that me and my guest dive into that you please, 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 Share it with other people who you think might like these ideas. Anyways, I've said enough here for today. I thank you guys very much. Get out there, stay safe, get some fresh air, and get some foraging. Much love. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self-help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography.
we're on the air right now and the window's open, but that's how, that's how it should be. You know what I mean? And I know like sound quality, you might argue to close the window, but I thought let's have the window on. God forbid we hear a bird chirping. Right? On a rewilding podcast? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think folks would mind. And I got my, uh, I got my sound technician game on point, I think by this point in time. So welcome back to the show, Richard. Good to be back. It's Just good crawling out of my uh, dark COVID hole. Yeah, right. Yep. No, I know. It's nice to have you on the mic. I don't think anybody's been on the mic since you. I didn't have to sanitize it. Good. It's just you. But anyways, what I wanted to kind of, I guess, well, well, this is a perfect way to start the podcast because I wanted to ask you how you've been doing. I also wanted to say um, you had said something to me a few weeks back in regards to kind of what you, your process was and what you're going through. And you had said it. I had said it, we had said it on a group call or folks had been talking about it and it's kind of that ego death experience, um, which I think many people have been feeling right now, dealing with whether they would call it that or know it as that is it one thing. So I guess I can kind of explain what that is, but it's that sense of um, I that is having a hard time dealing with certain things and it's essentially falling. There's there's no more need for it or essentially, or you're feeling that it's it's leaving you and you kind of want to grab a hold of it. Is, is that... Is that an ego death? Did I explain that properly? Or how would you? Well, I think I realized like, I didn't do it justice, really. Ego is like just, you know, being personality and how we think we relate, or how we relate to the world and how that defines us and how we go. think that defines us and Thank how you. now a lot of that has shifted and we're kind of staring at this sort of blank slate going, hmm. Mm, right. That, that, those reflections back at me that told me I am this or that aren't, aren't reflecting there. the back things aren't back. back. So it feels like a death essentially. Or so that, yeah, yeah, that ego piece is, And so essentially I think there's liberation in that, but there is mm-hmm. s- certainly grief in that too. Grief right? very and, much. Yeah. Um, just, and that's what, yeah, that's what I've been feeling. So when you said that and I kind of sat with it, yeah, like what I was saying to you before we got on that I was walking on the beach the other day and I had seen, you know, they had just groomed the beach after the winter. This is a public beach. So, it, you know, it looked quite nice groomed with straight lines. And I was like, geez, it looks nice out here. And then I, made me reflect on how much I do love aspects of civilization and, you know, domestication and Western culture, all these things that in the show we might, you know, I might be putting a critical lens on and saying there might be inherent problems in some of this stuff. But again, at the same time, it's the culture I'm a part of. It's the culture I grew up in. It's the culture I do love. So to see these straight lines, I was like, um, yeah, kind of drawn in and realizing how much I do love about, you know, the world that is essentially changing right now, right underneath right. of our, underneath of our noses. Right. So, um, and I, and I do see it as very much of an emergence of the new. So I see much opportunity in it and for growth. Um, you know, um, I'd call it the emergence of a new spirituality or a new, a new era where I think we are starting to be concerned about understanding, I guess, the connection that we all have with each other, with the living world. And we know, I think we notice that through this separation right now and how good it's going to feel to like freaking like hug a stranger or something in the, you know, yeah. just to be able to have contact with people. Me as an extrovert is just, uh, sitting indoors, uh, getting lots done as mm-hmm. far as work wise, but also, you know, and again, connecting with people through, uh, social media online, you know, having zoom calls with friends and stuff like that were old friends I haven't done that with. So it's just, again, feeling connected to folks, I think is going to set the tone as we go forward. I hope so anyways, but yeah, I don't know what, so what's, yeah, what's your take? How you been? I've been all right. I've yeah. just been, um, hanging on the land, mm-hmm. um, hanging with the family. Nice. And, uh, just trying to navigate some of those things that, you know, are new. Um, but even today, just was connecting with my sister for the first time in a bit. And uh, as we were conversing, I was just kind of noticed myself looking out the window at this newly graded land right around the house, right? We got mm. the bulldozer came in a few weeks back and right. just graded everything and mm-hmm. cleaned it up. And I've thrown down a bunch of seeds, you know, some oat and some alfalfa and some clover and just some ground cover stuff. And right. so I can literally see these seeds laying on essentially this barren bulldozed <laughs> land right. and I'm like man I've done wow. a lot of work to get here mm-hmm. you know I, I feel like a lot of the actions I've taken in my life were to prepare for this sort of event right yeah and, well that's just it and if and if folks aren't familiar with what we're fully talking about there is a Richard's first episode episode three or four I'm gonna forget right now but yeah. it was uh Richard's return to the land and this whole process of um yeah the acreage that you have and, and right. all the plans so yeah and now yeah. you're here you are looking at this barren land. This barren land and these seeds just vulnerable down. and lying right? there and mm-hmm. um, going, holy shit, man. I, <laughs> I've worked hard. I've put in this prep time and 
these seeds are there and now I all I can do is look at this bulldozed land with those seeds on them and wonder what's next like what's actually right. going to grow what's coming and it's a it just feels like a bit of an analogy to you know the so sort good. of the, the bigger picture at the moment right we're all kind of sitting here going okay mm-hmm. right we know what's not working what's coming next and uh so feeling some of the angst yeah. around that and sure. just feeling some of the oh okay i hope that those seeds take and it's not all just a field of goldenrod yeah right. i want some yeah. diversity in there and some good stuff mm-hmm. and so but then i'm like ah I'm just going to return my attention to mm. something else here. And I just walk down into the bush. Ah. Right. So away from this bulldoze thing where I've had all Similar, this input yeah. and I've, I've planted these seeds and now I got to wait. Yeah. And so then there's this juxtaposition of just walking into the bush where it's like, ah, mm-hmm. I did nothing here. Like I, my human input is very little here and look what's exactly. happening. Yeah. Right. right? Look at, um, what happens when we stop totally. and look at, um, sort of an interrelated uh, matrix of, of relationship. Right. Right. And we see, yeah, there's thorns, mm-hmm. there's invasive species. Right. Um, but there's also some, there's, there's an undercurrent of abundance and there's, there's an so undercurrent of like yeah. stuff playing off right. each other and balancing it out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay. Yeah, everything working out. You know what I mean? Like it's being it's, what it needs to be. Yeah. Being And right. And then the, the vibe that, that gives when you're, yeah, again, contemplating whether seeds are going to grow and, you know, yeah. something's going to grow. Yeah. Right. Oh, yes. Right. And I'm just going to be grateful for what does grow. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, t- it's such a acknowledgement of you know what we can and cannot control, which is a good thing right, right now for us to acknowledge too. And it's that tug of war between sort of rewilding, domesticating, controlling, right, and all that for sort sure. of stuff, and that ultimately that that trust piece. And so um, I think that sort of leads us into you know we're in the bush, we're looking at this mm. abundance, and how can we just kind of reconnect with some of that? It's like ah, oh, maybe just. Do a little wild crafting, getting out there right. in the spring. There's this rebirth piece that's going on around us right now in yeah. real time, real life, not all the stuff that's being fed down our throats right now. So true. Yeah. Um, real time. Yeah. Real time. Nature is going on. Yes. Boys and girls. Oh, and, it's beautiful. Right. <laughs> and it's, and yeah. it stays a time. I think, so I think what you're saying is we're going to talk about foraging today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Well, what I want to say before we do this, I'm grateful for something. I'm grateful to be, uh, like always sitting here recording a podcast with you, but I was just thinking as you were saying that how grateful I am for our ability to um, cultivate crops, for us to be able to throw down seeds in agriculture. Like my into nature was through farming, right? Through potato farming and tobacco farming and strawberries, I should say, which is the farms I grew up on. And uh, yeah, how grateful I am for those straight lines and what they've done for us and how, how far they've got us. So I just want to say that. I don't know if you have a gratitude that's coming up for you if you wanted to throw it out but uh as a way into yeah this I'm, podcast. i've been really holding some gratitude for the bald eagles that oh. land on the dead oak just outside our window pretty much mm. and almost every day oh yeah they're hanging there and it just reminds me to you know hop up on a perch maybe soar a little bit and take a bit of a, a bigger picture view of things mm. um you know, just getting a lay of the land and, yeah. you know, that whole freedom vibe too, right? And so oh, I'm just yeah, really, the whole freedom vibe, I'm, sure. I'm just grateful for that reminder. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for that. Um, so, yeah, well, as we t- start to talk about, we were saying this before, and I think it's a good way to even start the conversation about uh, wild crafting and foraging foods from the forest, from the land. Um, I think it's important that we do it in an ethical way, and especially more so now than ever. Um, there's so much return to nature lately, or at least I've been hearing folks, um, you know, either engaging in podcast content, what have you, but a return to nature. You know, people are asking me, when, when is your forest therapy school going to be up and running, Sean? Not quite yet, but I, there's everyone's looking to get back to nature. So I think um, as we go forward, as we look at, you know, certain uh, aspects of the economy, which will make food uh, very expensive, potentially, if everything kind of plays out the way it normally would in a capitalist economy. We're going to see food prices going up. So I think this is a great time for gardening. I also think it's a great time for getting into wild crafting and foraging, but doing it in a way that is cognizant of the land and making sure we're not overtaking, right, and in, in communing with it. And I'm thinking back to my first time running across a whole patch of wild leeks or ramps and, <clears throat> you know, not really knowing I was 
most likely cognizant and only took a few. Um, but there's obviously, I think, over the many years that I've seen this patch continue to flourish, I'm just hoping that everybody else that's there taking from it or, you know, interacting with it is thinking of its longevity as much as I am. So, yeah, yeah I just want to throw that out there. I don't know if you've uh, got anything to say in that regard or if that's something that resonates with you. I mean, obviously it does. But, well, I mean, yeah. I think it's really highlighted in this time where, you know, we might see um, a different level of strain on those uh, resources sure. from people kind of, and, and if it's coming from a fear place you, of like, Oh man, I gotta get oh, this right. stuff. Cause I'm going to start. It's like, just like freaking toilet paper. Yeah. at Costco <laughs> with 19 yeah. things of the toilet it, paper. The, right? I shouldn't say idiot, but gosh, the person who is very fearful right now, or, you know, it, it might be part of their process, not saying, right. Idiot. Gosh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a way of thinking that. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to be doing an episode soon on, on sort of the brain and fear and what's happening yeah. there. Right. And, and right. That's how that call. keeps Thank us you. from, uh, acting in sort of making decisions that are for yeah, a greater good or, yeah. you know, rational. Right, um, rational, yeah, exactly. So I think it's just important to have conversations around, well, what is ethical wildcrafting? I mean, this mm-hmm. is a discussion that I've had with the students I've taught every mm-hmm. time I bring them out to the land to, you know, right. wildcraft medicinal herbs. There's there's an ethic here, right? right. And, um, you know... And there's a lot, lot, of, lot of nuance, too. Well, yeah, right, it's not right, like, right, it's, not like a, it's not like a... It's not a human law. All. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's to your landscape, and that's just it. It's yes. interacting with that certain patch over years, see who else pops in. And, is and what are you actually harvesting? Like if we're talking leeks or right, ramps yeah. versus garlic mustard, well, right. shit, there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, just some basic principles of mm-hmm. what's your intention going out into the bush? What are you like? Are you intending to put food on the table for your family? Are you intending to um, just get out there and connect and maybe spice up a dish? Mm-hmm. Like what? what's the intention here and really holding that? Um, mm-hmm. You know, not taking... 100% of what you find right. of that particular species of plant. Right. Uh, depending on that species, you know, what percentage makes sense to, to, to take. take. Um, yeah, based are on you taking the aerial plant parts or, of the roots? Um, mm-hmm. Are you leaving the grandmother of that sort of block of plants in there to, right. uh, you know, hold space for the next generation of plants exactly. to come up? All that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just being cognizant of not just going out there and loading up your shopping cart with, uh, sure. absurd amounts of toilet paper so to speak and that's yeah exactly and then for me i i think i really have oh, throughout the years it's, it's often been to add the wild essence to a dish it's i mean it's it's and again i now and then it's like oh this is this dish is 100 percent wild sweet like right. you know that's kind of like the ultimate and if, if it's wild crafted or ethically wild crafted then even better right like so anyways yeah i think it would be uh cool to kind of have that luxury of having that much wild food but i know where i interact with my landscapes there's just not enough so sometimes it's just the so my intent is often to like yeah the wild essence to it or spice it up in a way and uh Mm. yeah and then again interact with the land and just check in make sure everything's still there year after year yeah and so i think most of the ones we're going to talk about today are quite plentiful anyhow yeah well you brought up garlic mustard i think it'd be a nice place to start because uh i'm thinking so where did i see this i saw like a a meme somewhere and uh it said it said vegetarian word or native american word for bad hunter and i was like <laughs> i'm like that's me and so i just started like dying laughing or a friend sent it to me and i was like yeah that's me because that is me since, since i've made the commitment to wild to eat more wild food um it's well it's, for me it's been the commitment to eat a wild meat and just kind of keep it at that and i've you know um done that quite well actually and i'm and i've through that, though, I've eaten a lot less meat and having a lot more vegetarian meals throughout my day. Right. So when you say garlic mustard, I'm thinking to the times turkey hunting. And uh, normally just turns out to be uh, – spring turkey hunting normally just turns out to be garlic mustard foraging for me. Interesting. Yeah. So Well, well it's a well, funny, it's a funny relationship actually between uh, deer and garlic mustard. Oh, yeah? So there's some uh, some literature out there showing the, the co-relationship between the two. So areas that are – heavily populated by white-tailed deer mm-hmm. have a shit ton of garlic mustard and areas right. that don't have as much white-tailed deer have less garlic mustard. Really? Um, so the, the assumption here, or I don't know if it's an assumption. It's farmland, um, isn't it? No, it's just that the deer are eating all the native species of plants. Oh, and leaving Giving the garlic, the garlic mustard the opportunity to flourish. Of course. Because if we had right, a normal right, right. biodynamic, or I don't know if that's the right word, but a, a dynamic... Uh, biodiverse mm-hmm. thing going on with native plants, 
garlic mustard wouldn't have that space to be as opportunistic. Right. Is, is sort of the thinking. And is that, this is, again, the nuance of interacting in an in a ethically, ethically sourced or ethically uh, minded way, I guess, is what I'm trying to right. say. Yeah. So really next time things. someone gives me shit for hunting, mm-hmm. I'll be like, no, I'm just saving the plants. <laughs> yeah, there's always that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, um, always, always when someone's attacked for hunting, it's it's you know there's an ecological. Uh, you have to g- rely on the ecological benefits to hunting, right? It's, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's in my back doubt, pocket. It's always in the back pocket of a hunter. And the garlic mustard's a great so uh, example of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, well, that's that's really interesting then, mm-hmm. which makes sense that they wouldn't be eating it given its taste and its bitterness. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know if you want to uh, get into what what I guess could we say about the taste of garlic mustard. Let me think. It's like it's kind of like wasabi, peppery. Um, I, I guess was wasabi not quite, but if you eat enough of it, yeah, you can get that like rush, like horseradish almost. Yeah, it's part of the brassica family. Mm-hmm. So, and, it, and like like mustard and kale and all you know. Cabbage, mm-hmm. so it has that those uh, compounds in them that Later. are mustardy, mm-hmm. right? So it has that. Uh, so when you squish the leaf and you rub it, you'll get that garlicky mustardy smell. Right. Hence the name garlic mustard. Right. Um, keeping in mind, this is uh, you know a much maligned plant. It's really invasive. It came over all in all likelihood right. genetically from uh, the British Isles, from Europe. Okay. Came over here um, way was, back. Oh yeah, I was unsure of its origin because I knew it was. Invasive, non-native. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a big thing area. in Europe, yeah. and then it came over here, and uh, now the deer eat everything else, and this stuff flourishes. Right. And uh, they're allopathic, uh, basically meaning they put out chemical compounds in the ground that prevent the the mycorrhiza or the basically the the the, the soil, the fungal uh, diversity of the soil to actually flourish. Shuts right. that down, and so nothing else can really grow around it. But it, yes, um, it can take over for sure. It can take over. But also some interesting things in and around. It seems to have, uh, like colonies of it have seem to have a life cycle to it that peters out after twenty to thirty years. Apparently, that's something that oh, in really? the last couple of years has uh, been some uh, research and chatter around that. So it's like, well, just hang in there, folks. You know, yeah, right. COVID's going to disappear. Just hang in there, folks. Yeah, Garlic right. mustard's going to go away. Disappear too, right? Well, that's, you know, you're actually kind of segueing into this whole idea of invasive and non-native. And again, if something's non-native, go ahead, forage the heck out of it and uh, or, or hunt it down, right? As, as is the case, say, in like a place like New Zealand where all these uh, game animals were released years ago for purposes of hunting and they've taken over the countryside. Right. So no, no tag limit or no tags, you know, no limits type thing, hunting out there. And I'm like... The, the non-native piece, it's non-native to when? This is essentially my question, right? Right. And um, invasive, like, to what? Or, like, invasive, how so? Like, and again, our ability to eat these foods is when they're when they're plentiful, it's, okay, great, here we are with a source. So, I, again, uh, the lens, it's just like the climate change thing for me. I just don't know which lens to use them, mm-hmm. to use when looking at them. And I'm not saying I'm for or against here. There's so much nuance to this, and I hope that we break it down. Well, let's chat. I don't know if you have anything well, to say lens, about non-native. Well, my lens is that is I walk into my bush Keep it this non-native. time of year, and I'm like, there's garlic mustard everywhere. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of white-tailed deer, and the gift there is that I harvest a deer easily every year right? Yeah. Um, without much uh, challenge or difficulty that way. Yep. Um, but I've got garlic mustard. So the lens is what's in front of me. Right. I can get all this, that, or the mm-hmm. other about it. And the other part well, of the lens same. is I don't want to spray the well, shit same. out of this stuff. Well, that's, so um, that comes down to being ethical. If you ask me, I'm not traveling gas money, like distances to go harvest chaga in the Northern forest of Ontario. I'm, I'm, I'm working with Turkey tail. That's right here in front of me right, right. like and, I, and again i think that just comes down to being as ethical as possible so yeah right. whether it's non-native invasive or not if it's in front of you and it's plentiful that's yeah it's something you want to see what we can do and like right. explore so garlic mustard and you know i've had a relationship with this plant for a few years now and and just sort of diving into it just a little bit more mm-hmm. um just for the show i'm like yeah. well, what else is going on with this plant I'm like oh, oh i actually learned a couple of things what did you find out because now you got me so, excited here I've, I've basically, the way I've approached it for the past few years is right now, it's the first thing that's really coming up. you got the, mm-hmm. the skunk cabbage that's starting to stick out and you've got um, the garlic mustard yeah. everywhere. It can be out even with snow on the ground too. Like yes. point out. Yeah, you yeah. can brush away some snow and the garlic mustard's so already gone. it's really, gone. really yeah, early. For sure. Um, and, I, and this is the time where I like to harvest it where it's still really quite low to the ground, yeah. um, smaller leaves, and I just make 
what I call the flavor invasion pesto out of it using nutritional yeast and sunflower seeds and nice. we compost the recipe. Do you dry them out for this year or is no. this a fresh, fresh pesto? Nice. Yeah. So awesome. I, I wouldn't say my kids love it. It's mm-hmm. getting back to the flavor part. There's, it's sure. definitely pungent. And to your point about taking them a little earlier for folks, it, it definitely is a little bit uh, softer and, and younger when you get it yeah. early, as early as possible. Otherwise right. it can grow a little bit more bitter and a little bit more... Tough and astringent. Well, which is what I've learned in since in the last few days. I'm like, oh, this actually opens a whole new realm for me because there's only so much you can harvest at once. Mm-hmm. There's only so much pesto you can make, and there's only so much pesto you want to eat. Right. Um, granted, yeah. I save a lot of it for winter and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the stalks, when they're just about the flower, so you've got like the, mm-hmm. you can see almost the flower bud at the top of the plant. Right. Uh, that's a good time to harvest it peel off all those leaves, keeping that little bit at the top okay, and basically eating the stock. Oh yeah. Right. And so mess with the stock. Yeah. Basically boiling it and eating it. Okay. So I'm like, Oh, I'm quite excited to give that a go. Uh, And probably doesn't need much in the terms of uh, spices. You just kind of throw a little salt on there. Yeah. You would want to get them fairly young for sure. Well, before they flower. Yeah, before they flower. Yeah. So there's that ideal time right before they flower is when they're, you know, they're thick enough. They're right. So you could basically grab that stuff cook it up, freeze it, mm-hmm. and you've got uh, a real great oh, wow. green food source there that is, don't worry about right. uh, using all this stuff up in the forest, right? So, right. What about uh, giving it a couple harvests? Because, I mean, that plant would, I'm just thinking if you could trim that, you know, around six inches or so, and then would it continue to grow? And would it be, I guess, as the, as the season progresses, I don't know if potentially more woody. By, it be an experiment. I just think it. Well, two comments to that. One is, not necessary because there's so much of it. Oh, right. Well, so you're thinking of that. having it like yeah, stay no. in that. Well, I guess I was thinking form. specifically to where I where I harvested uh, hunting turkeys is that yeah, there was along the field edge, like corn right. cornfield. That's why, I, yeah, it just seemed it always was along those edges. So, yeah, I didn't have access to a ton of it. But I guess again. So I, my I my approach when I'm anything. harvesting it, I also I just take out the root as well. Oh, okay. Uh, just because I'm trying to, you know, if I do it consistently enough mm-hmm. over the years, hopefully I'm managing it to some You're going to increase diversity too because it yeah. doesn't have any problems finding edges and right. spots to grow for sure. So, okay. uh, and okay. you can use the root um, better in the fall, mm-hmm. like most roots, to make basically like a horseradish, right? Just, yeah, yes, exactly. Create it and throw some vinegar on it and bam. So that's another for way to sure. use it. So, but I, I like to dig it up while I'm already in the bush harvesting it. I just have my little spade, boom, mm-hmm. and I got my bag and I and I essentially just, uh, I burn the, I throw all the roots on a, uh, on a fire pit oh, for yeah, the next nice. fire kind of thing. Oh, yeah, right. Not throwing in the garbage or my compost or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I see. Or making some that. horseradish. With the root? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't yeah. done that. And it's yeah. got a, it's got the same bite or even maybe a bit more in the root? Or? No, no, not quite as, not like actual. Horseradish. Yeah, not okay. like, I'm just calling it um, horseradish. But. Yeah, no, exactly. Like horse, well, it is, it kind of seems similar. Um, so one thing I have done is waited and got the seeds Yes. And then I don't know if you've, I, but I've, that's where I've ground them up before and added hot water and kind of made like a little wasabi paste. And yes. Whew, yeah. Yes. That's where I was going with the wasabi. So what's really interesting about this plant is, mm-hmm. yeah, you can use the seeds that yeah, way. Yeah. Um, you can use the root for the horseradish vibe. You can uh, use the stalks. You can use those younger leaves to make pesto. Mm-hmm. So you've got pretty much these different so stages, yeah. these different parts you can use, um, use it. And what's quite remarkable about this plant is the vitamin C content. Oh, really? And we're talking it's like 200 and one, one source I looked at was 261 milligrams of vitamin C per hundred grams. Okay. So think of like broccoli is like 93 grams. Right. I can't remember what orange is, but it's like four times less, if not more less than. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. But of course you're not going to eat 600 grams of garlic mustard. Right. Yes. Okay. But the but density, is, density there, is there. Right? Wow. And at this yeah. time, right. as much vitamin C that we can get in our systems yeah, from nature. Better, yeah, right? well said. Um, yeah. So it's like, oh, here's nature saying, here's this invasive plant full um, of vitamin C. Vitamin C is something that right. makes a lot of sense these days. Parsley is another one I've been thinking mm. of lately and popping up. I mean, that stuff's everywhere yes. in the garden. See how these, I've already noticing, I'm, I, this is the first time I've looked at the, at the, at the, uh, timer here recording and I'm thinking geez a show like this with you and me this is be like a three-hour show if we hit up every uh just going on talking about plants here well I, th- I had an idea about that because <laughs> yeah. we can t- talk more specifically about the ones that are actually 
popping up now. Popping up right now, and yeah, then we'll hey, do another one later. We'll just keep out of here. I yeah. just thought I was just maybe you should look at the thing because it feels like uh, we could talk forever about garlic mustard as we're going. Well, yeah. What else? Got? Seriously, right? We got the vitamin C content. Mm-hmm. We got the carotenoids, basically that vitamin A, which is hugely yeah, significant in supporting uh, our systems at the moment. Yep. A lot of fiber in there. Really yep. remarkable. Uh, like up to five grams of fiber per hundred grams. So very fibrous. Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, awesome. So it's it's got some. And, and what a, I really like about yeah. this plant is its Latin name. What's Aliaria petiolata. Isn't that beautiful? Say it one more time. Aliaria petiolata. It is, it is but if you give it a little bit of like an Italian thing, sure, it's like yeah. Aliaria petiolata. I thought it was, thought it was Uncle right? Milan coming, <laughs> entering into the studio. No, it's we uh, might, maybe if he's Giuseppe give us, coming. Okay, if, if it may be later for like a dandelion wine recipe, we'll see. Maybe we'll we see go. if he wants to show up. Yep, he's in quarantine. <laughs> exactly, he's he's elderly, so yeah. that's so important. That you know, there's a lot going on there. And one last thing to say about those seeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Mustard plasters are something that are a good thing to have in your back pocket as a, you know, un, you know, something to know how to use. So mustard okay. plaster is basically like you're talking about making that wasabi. wasabi right. Basically, make making a paste. Yep. You can make it out of an oatmeal. You can make it out of baking powder, or whatever. Similar like your chia seed, put like a type thing. Yeah, but you're you would like be it. applying it as a poultice essentially. Okay. Uh, over the chest and there's details on how mm-hmm. to do this. I'm not suggesting you just listen to what I just said and go spread a bunch on your chest cause you're going to burn your skin, <laughs> but just to get stagnation in the lungs oh, moving for things like pneumonia, yeah. okay. for example. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, not speaking to any other specific conditions per yeah. se. Yeah. Right. But, but for um, pneumonia for sure. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or just good old fashioned mustard in a jar. Uh, not like the Heinz. Right. Yep stuff but like yeah. the actual powder so um and there's tons of seeds too and the seeds are essentially again after yes. the process of flowering the seeds will grow and there'll be little seed pods coming out the top shoot out i don't know in threes or a few out of one anyways and oh there's tons in yeah, one, there's pod. Tons in one yeah. pod right yeah yeah and if you can yeah. keep them from spraying all over the place and you know recolonating yeah. yep. then great you know, idea, have yeah, idea. no i think and that's yeah that's uh and they're plenty they're so plentiful the seeds yeah so basically the okay. garlic mustard is uh has a diaphoretic action. So it basically mm-hmm. heats up our system. Right. Um, you know, it's going to move stagnation in sort okay. of like if mucus builds up. So that sort of thing. Right. Well, that's um, what I was, was going to get into is obviously the medicinal aspects of these. So I'm glad that you're saying that. Is there anything else from a medicinal standpoint for garlic mustard? Um, Other than obviously that one being very important. I just thought maybe I'd ask. Yeah, it's not heavily used that way, but those okay. are those are the ways yeah. I'm most familiar with it. So I'll just right. speak to those two. Yeah, no, that's yeah. great because I didn't know at all really anything. But now that you say that, as far as being put, you know, for something like ammonia, makes makes a lot of sense. The heat coming from that plant. So yeah, if garlic mustard, definitely, definitely get out there and and that's just it. Like I think in me saying get out there and get this one, I, I like to your point, this is a good one to get out there and get. Yes, yeah, it really, it really is. Uh, whereas we were, when I was mentioning. Uh, <laughs> ramps like that's a that's a prize culinary possession there and i think even on our episode with uh hank shaw he was even mentioning his love for ramps and so so many different ways again you have to know your your patch there it's such a different such a different plant in that regard as far as ethics goes so um let's talk about another one there's plentiful of and i know and here's a segue into a into a plant is that i owe this plant some love some tlc and uh you know and it's the dandelion Mm. And I say that because I spent a good portion of my younger day when I'd be over with my grandpa. Um, he'd have us out in his front lawn, ripping out these dandelions left and right, rather be spraying them, you know, whatever. It was work. It's part of part of how I built my work ethic, so I'm grateful for it. But now I think back and I go, geez, so much that that plant could do for us, right? And mm-hmm. we've classified it as a weed because somebody can make money off of selling us a spray essentially is, is how i see it so yeah i mean it's not a, it's not a weed it's a lovely flower it's beautiful it's gonna brighten up our day very soon in fact before it brightens up our day i want to get out there and get some leaves off it so yes definitely yeah dandelion what well, do you- yeah so i grew up in the suburbs of toronto and yeah. um so you know perfect lawn yeah land for sure uh, and so i have deep gratitude for dandelion for really just at a young age mm-hmm you know, we ate it. Like my dad would go out in the backyard and here we go. Right. And everyone else is spraying it. And it's like, <laughs> what, what are people doing? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what is this about? And just really kind of 
getting an understanding of that cultural difference and right. sort of when we have our cultural blinders on, holy shit, are they thick? Thick, right? eh? yeah. And oh, so, I know it's a whole different world for me now. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, I'm just thinking of times where I am out foraging dandelions at the family farm right. and that, and folks, you know, just kind of like, oh, you know. Just chuckle because it's just mm-hmm. such a, but they, everyone does know it's food. Like that's just it. Right. It's not, uh, they're not blind to it per se. No. But there's so much you can do with it as well. So. Yeah. And so the leaves uh, are mm-hmm. exactly this time popping up before that little bud starts on there and they get kind of too, bitter. a little too bitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I basically, there's two things I like to do mostly with the dandelion leaf is just to make a, a warm salad. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're basically, you're harvesting, you're snipping off that little, uh, white part near the rosette that's a little more bitter mm-hmm. so keeping closer to the top that's what i prefer and um adding either just recently cooked egg that's still hot like oh, a no. hard-boiled egg right. or uh potato oh nice and just, just throwing that in there and then well, you're doing your well apple cider vinegar and your oil and you're just dressing it like that ah. maybe some uh yeah. slices of bacon like um bacon like real bacon bits real bacon yep for sure. And boom, there's your meal. I like that. And I'm glad we're getting into some recipes now because um, make me hungry. One, I'm realizing. But um, no, I uh, wilting them and yeah, cooking them is such a nice, easy way into, I think, dandelions. Sure, they're going to lose some of their uh, potency as far as nutritional values goes from a micronutrient right. standpoint. But again, I think all these greens that we're talking about eating today too as like a nutritional tip, as I, as I think here, um, trying to consume them with fats to help us absorb more of those micronutrients is a bonus. So, um, and for, again, for me, like a lot of times going back to my intent is to spice up a meal in some way. So if I'm pulling from the wild, I try to keep its wild essence as, you know, as good as possible. But with dandelion greens, I mean, I can eat a salad with them too. I, I do enjoy that. Um, yeah, I'd like to get them softened a bit for sure. Yeah. Get that, uh, that blend happening. A warm happening. salad, yeah. But there's no joke here in terms of like phosphorus content, calcium. Yeah. Uh, still, I'm not sold that it's like really, really high in potassium. I think it spares potassium. But either way, potassium, which is mm-hmm. a significant piece right now in terms of uh, yeah. helping us kind of move through any kind of illness that might come along. Right, yeah. Um, for sure, for sure. So there's a lot of benefit there to the leaf in terms of actual nutritional content, mm-hmm. vitamin A, uh, vitamin D2, not the actual D3 that, right. you know, uh, we take as a supplement. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the leaves also, I learned again, re, I always reacquaint when I'm right. going to talk about something. Nice. I just go well, back and like, is there anything new? I appreciate it. Listeners appreciate I'm that. Like, oh, it's actually greatness. there is some inulin content in the leaves. Oh really? Right. I'm like, Oh, I thought it was always in the root. So inulin, inulin yeah, being a uh, prebiotic sugar. So inulin is a, like a sugar that, um, when we get that into our gut, the beneficial bacteria like to feed on that. Mm-hmm. That's what we mean by prebiotic. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna cut you off there before when you start talking about prebiotics with the uh, stems of the garlic mustard plant. But yeah, these types of things this time of year, reacquainting our guts with a green uh, fibrous fibers from our greens is so important, right? I, I mean, for me, going back to my intent, we're you know having these plants is to spice up things. But my diet, when it comes to buying things from a, the market or grocery store, wherever I might be getting food from is to try to eat as seasonal as possible. So I often will overload my system with green fibrous things this time of year. And and again, like whether it be upping the amount of green salads or just doubling down on sprouts out there or something like that, I'm, uh, I'm just cognizant of how our bodies work with the seasons. I don't, you know, just the way I I get down. (laughs) Dangeline is a great example of that, right? So there is that bitter component in, in the leaf, Mm -hmm. um, bitter stimulating bile production, uh, yeah. really helping with the liver kind of shaking off the winter fat kind of thing. I'm, I'm, I was going to ask you, so yeah, with that with that liver piece, because that's one reason I've become so acquainted with dandelion because just, you know, my my profile is uh, often needing to take care of my liver. And uh, so I've become acquainted with dandelion for that purpose. So yeah, what exactly, I mean, what's, I guess, the best, if we're looking to use dandelion as medicine in that regard, um, while we're kind of chatting about medicine with it, what... Uh, how can we use it as medicine? Or what's the best uh, way? Well, we've been talking about it. Just eating, just eating, eating it. Eating it. So th- there is the- that bitter component in the leaf. So I wouldn't say the leaf is the primary liver supporter, but okay. that has that bitter, com- that bitter component to it. And when you look at things through a traditional Chinese medicine lens, every organ system has a relationship to a season, mm-hmm. uh, to a flavor, uh, mm-hmm. to an emotion. Right. Uh, so spring is the time of the liver, right? So we want to give the liver a little extra support mm-hmm. in that springtime. Um, uh, and so it's like, oh, this is perfect. 
Um, but the the root is often something that's you know powdered or used. I see as well for for that that right. liver component. Um, so in a capsule, or you can dry it out and with chicory root and make a, mm-hmm. a faux coffee kind of right. thing, right? Yeah, because that's what I was gonna kind of getting at was essentially the root, as I've known it, is through teas and things like that. Um, and yeah, I think that's would be actually a great uh, recipe for the show notes. Well, here's the good co- here's the good news: we can talk about dandelion in the fall again if you want. Oh yeah, because that's when you right. want to harvest that root. Right that now, we're just like focusing on the green leaves that come out. Right, making a salad, or if you uh, mm. had a wheatgrass juicer and you collected enough of the, the leaves, you could make a, a really really potent juice. Jeez. Like, and you know, even if you're drinking, you just saying like that makes my mils. I feel my liver and gallbladder actually react to that yeah. as I say that because I could only imagine how a uh, teaspoon medicinal. of that a couple times a day Gosh, for a couple yeah. of weeks in the spring is mm-hmm. going to do some good. Um, have you, you know, have not you, that I'm anybody's doctor out no, there, but right. have you experimented with that yourself? Those for drinking, like, not with a wheatgrass juicer, but just basically, uh, putting a bunch in a little no, blender right. with a little bit of water and beating it up and, mm-hmm. and drinking it that way. Right. Yeah. No, true, true. Say, I mean, not to, not to say this is any type of prescription, but you're right. I'm just thinking of, uh, just, that's just be great, great seasonal medicine right there. Mm-hmm. Food medicine. That is let food be thy medicine. And then what the thing about dandelion leaf too, is you can get out there and because it, it's a short window of when it's optimal for in terms of flavor, mm-hmm. right? So you can get out there and you can harvest uh, a bunch of it and it keeps well. It's going to keep a few weeks in your fridge, yeah. right? So where that window is narrow, you can certainly extend that by just getting out there and harvesting a ton at once. Right. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's where I don't often do and I end up, yeah, harvesting later and later and I notice the, the flavor changing, right? So, yes. um, and I guess, yeah, to even add that when it comes to storing any types of greens, it's taking them either like whether it be washing them, you know, drying them off some and somehow or at least removing dirt and then putting those into a plastic bag in the fridge with holes, maybe about 20 to 30 holes punched throughout it and that's going to help that thing. It's going to slowly oxidize and, you know, let out gases and carbon dioxide and things. So you're going to want to actually let that escape so it doesn't further wilt it. So that would be a way to really make sure you're, you know, storing the nutritional value and I guess it's yeah. possible. Yeah. And, and again, enhancing flavor. Right. So I got to get busy then on searching my lawn right now. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. I know I do actually, because it's, uh, yeah. Well, basically yeah, they're, they're, all that's out there right now is the garlic mustard. We're talking, this is April yeah, 3rd, uh, you know, Southwestern yep. Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we've had some really nice weather the last couple of days. Yes. So things shift quick, right? Very yeah. quick. So there's that piece, and then boom, we're going to have the flowers coming mm-hmm. up. And, you know, arguably, I actually think it's the University of Windsor that's been doing some research on the oh, really? flower. And it's, my school, my old school. Yeah, sort of the uh, potential um, application, like in chemo prevention. Oh, no like, way. Uh, or, or, Chemo preventative, sorry. So it has anti-angiogenic properties. So basically mm-hmm. what that means, we're talking about the flower now. Okay. So basically if we've got a you know, tumor growing in us, uh, mm-hmm. something called angiogenesis is basically the tumor uh, starts to develop its own blood supply and gets fed and grows. Right. So if you're anti-angiogenic, that's good news because you're not getting blood supply to a tumor. So mm-hmm. there's some promise there. Right. Uh, which is fascinating considering everyone squirts cancer juice all over these things. Right. I know. I, um, I know. So mm-hmm. uh, the flower for that, lots of uh, polyphenols. So basically uh, sort of like antioxidants, right. you know, that the highest content in the entire plant is in that uh, flower. And if we talk about any of these longevity right. sort of concepts of if you, people with higher levels of polyphenols in their diet, right. Are going to, you know, there's a, there is a relationship between that and, and, and longevity. Living, and, and yes, yeah. and living longer. So things like, yeah, Mediterranean diet where you're eating lots of, you know, peppercorns and, and grapeseed oils and all, you know, olive oils and things like that. Yes. Right. Reducing the risk of things like diabetes and cancer. All those. All that arthritis and all, all those stuff. things. Yeah. All those things. It's just, yeah, polyphenols, important stuff right now. So you sure. can just make your dandelion right wine. Yes. Yes. Right. So dandelion wine, because that's, that is like a. It, it's almost, for me, I'm thinking of all things like foraging and, and goals and, you know, and things that I've been set out to do, but making dandelion wine has still yet to happen. And my great-grandfather would make that. And, mm. um, yeah, I even harvested a bunch last year, talked to my grandpa, um, you know, on the ins and outs of it, but just never got around to doing it. Have you ever done it? was the first wild-crafted recipe I ever oh, wow. 
tried making, I don't know, I was like, I don't know how old I was. Okay, so I wasn't drinking age. <laughs> right, yes, okay. So. But uh, yeah, awesome. it, it was uh, the first thing I ever got cooking and, and making. Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So what's uh, like, as far as like process, is it a champagne yeast? That you're adding to it? Is it? I mean, you can. It, it dry, yeah, drier yeast. Or, yeah, yeah, drier yeast. Because yeah. that's just it. Or even letting it like wild ferment, or are you letting it? Uh, no, I would. I would. You need a yeast. Get source. one of those little yeast packets right. uh, more towards like think of it as like a drier white wine kind right. of vibe, right? Right. Um, so, kind of, I'm thinking like um, even like a mead. I don't know. Is it, or I guess not. It'd be mead would be sweeter yet. For whatever reason, I have this weird like thing that I just think it would taste like more. I've never even had it. It would taste more like mead. Well, it depends because you have to, you're basically mixing either honey or sugar as your right. base for the fermentation, right? The, the, the flowers themselves aren't so going to hold enough to ferment on their own. I right? see. So, so you are, you are adding oh, yeah. sugar as well. Yeah. So you can okay. do like, you know, see, I, um, to make a couple gallons, you need like whatever, I don't know, it was like three pounds of honey or something like that for, you know. Okay. Uh, and then you're ah. diluting that in warm water and, and we'll then you're mixing it, your yeast packet and you're. And then you're adding some fruits like raisins or something like that. All right. Um, so you're, it's a bit, I mean. So it is dry. Yeah. So it is drier. Now, did you make it with honey or did you make it? Sugar? Back in the day, it was sugar. sugar yeah. But I would I would cool. give it a go with you know, yeah. honey. With honey would be yeah, great. It would be a better way to go. Oh, for sure. I just see that. That's the, the marriage of the, you know, the, the thing of the dandelion flower and then honey. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It, would be, it would be tasty. It takes a while for, you know, to sort of decant, like you get your stopper or whatever. And for sure. It, you know, could be up to a year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of gas is off it, before you bottle it? I would think so, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Six yeah. months to a year for sure. Right. Yeah. Ooh, so maybe that's got to be a, I think it's going to be a project here. I'd love to do that. Yeah. And that's going to be, that's going to be quick here, right? Like those yeah. flowers aren't far away right yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's all right so yeah so that's danny line eh is there um so we talked about flower and i think you're right to say heck we could continually talk about uh danny lion in the fall when it comes to harvesting roots and yeah. and that and this might very well just be a first installment of many uh chats about foraging foods and, and bringing friends and foraging on and yeah uh, let's yeah, get we some herbalists chat- on yeah here. We, we have a yeah. few folks uh in the docket for a pretty cool um episode let's chat about uh what do you want to do of, of the list that we kind of chatted about? Well, there one I want to talk about is wood nettle. Mm-hmm. Please. Because, so, uh, yeah, because here's the thing about talking about spring greens. Everyone talks about dandelion. Everyone talks about nettle. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about, you know, those yeah. two for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, which is cool because I think the more we message that you know, these abundant herbs are good for you and taste delicious and you know, instead of spraying them, eat them. For sure. It's good. Uh, the wood nettle is a nice little variation on mm-hmm. that. And my my general approach has been every year or every season, you know, I kind of just, I get quiet and I go for my little cruise through the bush with mm-hmm. sort of that wandering intention of, you know, what, what plant's presenting itself. What am I going to, what plant am I going to learn about this year? Ah. So, mm-hmm. you know, Pick one, learn about it, learn how to identify it properly, learn what its uses are, uh, some of its cautions, right? You're not going to learn everything at once. And yeah. so if you do that with consistency, then you can really get to know something a little more intimately. Totally. And so that was part of my garlic mustard thing. It's like, man, this is everywhere. I got to learn more about this. Yeah. Uh, and wood nettle is also everywhere in our bush. I'm like, I got to learn a little bit about this. And so... As far as nettle goes, all the props go to uh, the Urtica dioica, which is basically <laughs> something that's been, uh, you know, naturalized, again, from Europe. And right. so uh, that traditional Western herbalism view of it is sort of steeped in more of that European understanding of it and use of it. And um, that's my experience with it, right? My summers in Slovenia as oh, a kid, sure. you know, playing with the nettles, whipping each other with nettles, uh, you know, just playing around. Right. Um, bringing so it true. back, planting it in the backyard. Uh, that's so funny. And my, still one of my favorite plants. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's funny that you were playing with it. I'm thinking of, again, coming from a traditional farming sense or, you know, conventional farming, it was the plant that picked us in the raspberry bushes, essentially right. as you would go and harvest, yes. right? So it's like I've developed, yeah, immunity, and, and it's, it's an interesting relationship I've had with it, but uh, it was definitely not one of like, hey, let's replant this in somewhere and 
you know, because right. stuff will take off too. So it was always a seek and destroy kind of mission with stinging nettle. And right. then I think the one time there was an Eastern European uh, neighbor down the way had, uh, I believe, gotten cancer, and he came came saying, "I'm looking for all the stinging nettle you have." Right. And right. So he came, and, and I was thinking, "What the heck are right. you taking this plant and drink?" You know, he's like, "I'm boil it down and eat it," and mm-hmm. I'm like. No, you're not. Like, there's no way. And and again, yeah, it just it's funny. Just like, again, the cultural piece, right? Like, I yeah. remember one of the first plant stories that sticks in my mind is my mom talking about her grandfather who had like just crippling arthritis mm-hmm. in his hands, right? Like, just you know, the deformed knuckles and the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And she just has this image of him sitting on the side of the 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 road, which is just like a dirt path, right? And just whipping his knuckles with this oh, wow. plant, right. right? And just like burning out all that substance P, getting yeah. rid of all the pain uh, molecules essentially. And right. you're like, oh, and, and bringing some relief to that arthritis. And that so that's, that's burned that, into yeah. my mind. Wow. It's like, yeah, that hormesis, yeah. like you just, again, stressing, stressing out the body through that plant. And then, yeah, how it's actually creating resilience in your, in your hand. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like a topical at that. Yeah. And so all that, all the talk we hear often about is, is nettle and, and rightly so, mm-hmm. because it is, pretty much the mm-hmm. most proteinaceous plant going in this yeah. area. So it's high in protein. The reason it likely evolutionarily speaking has all these stingers on it is so the deer don't eat it because oh, it's, it's so high in good, protein that yeah. they would never survive. Right. Uh, you know, the white-tailed deer. Um, right. No, they would totally eat them right out, eat yeah. all the nettle for right. sure. No, those, th- yeah, exactly. I think it's very interesting how when you touch stinging nettle, you know it. And it's just, mm. there must be something good about this plant, right? Like, right. Yeah, so like, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um but it, the thing is, if you approach it gently and you harvest it gently, mm-hmm. you can do it without getting stung. For sure. But so lots of protein in there. You've got your manganese, magnesium, like all those minerals. It's when we talk about energetics of plants, we also talk about like they're, they're you know, they're sweet, uh, salty, bitter, right? right. So, the, so salty is basically not everything tastes like sea salt, mm-hmm. but salty is something that's tastes Savor, even savory, yeah, minerally, right? right? So, if you ever had nettle infusion, it has that saline vibe, like it, it, it it tastes not salty, but it has got mineral salts in it, and you can taste it. Yep, for sure. And so, um, wood nettle is a native nettle. It's um, not, it's not the same thing, but we can kind of start thinking about maybe interchangeably. I didn't find a ton on sort of the nutritional sort of. Uh, makeup of wood nettle. Okay. Uh, Not but, like stinging nettle, obviously. Cause, right. But I'm I'm doing sort of that herbalist, like, oh, maybe there's a bit of a cross, you know, we could sort of apply some principles to this right. same plant. Same species then, essentially? No. Or no, not. No. Yeah. So okay. this one's growing in really wetland areas in, you know, in this area, okay. in northeastern uh, North America, um, broader leaf um Bigger spikes. Okay. The sting is actually stingier. Um, All right, okay. but uh, more mellow flavor. Yeah. Okay. I. I. So if it's, as far as visuals go, looks like the same plant. You. You would know it's a nettle, like it, because it's kind of got. Now you're making me think that I've interacted, and you're saying uh, bigger, like broader like, leaves, broader leaves, mm-hmm. but also the sting. You just as like the sting is actually. Uh, it Less, burns more. It burns more. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. As as you say this, I'm thinking into those back in the days of the raspberry patch, and that was always a different to me. That was always a different nettle than anything I ever when I moved north. Which we're kind of changing in like zones and whatnot. When I was coming from like farthest you know Windsor area, and then up to this area, it likes sort of wetter, shadier areas though. That as well. Um, but I've transplanted some into polycultures around, around some of my fruit trees, and it's okay. It's there, but it's not flourishing. That's just it, because I'm yeah. trying to think of my interaction with it i just can't say i would know of any yeah it's just it's really a there's a lot of it yeah in our bush and so it's just something you can basically harvest uh at a certain stage just and it the cool thing is it matures a little bit later than stinging nettle so you can get your stinging nettle greens you know probably in the next week or so here Mm -hmm. uh you can do your omelet and you can do your smoothie and you can do your what you want to do with the with the nettle Mm mm-hmm and then when that starts to get a little bit bigger and stringier and not as good, then this stuff's going to be prime for ah, um, harvesting. So you're kind of extending this whole proteinaceous, mineral-rich, um, like super spinach. Right, yeah, thing. essentially. Yeah. By getting two different 
varieties. Mm-hmm. And then, so as far as preparing it, because you said throw it in smoothies, maybe folks like want to know how we could like deactivate the the stingingness to it. How does uh, simply by cooking it, right? So you can it, right. you can blanch it, or right. it, I mean, I just quick, chop it up and throw it right in my omelet, and that that alone cooking it there, with the right. young stuff, right? If it, like the bigger right. stuff, you might want to blanch it. Cook, first. Yeah, exactly. Cooking it somewhat there. I I I will often quickly. I mean, that's how I often eat it. Truthfully, is I'll just blanch it and put butter on it. Yeah. that's how I really enjoy it. But uh, but a nettle potato soup is one of my favorite okay. things. Right? Yeah, do. I'm trying to think uh, about uh, different. Uh, Different recipes. Uh, uh, pesto, yeah, something I will often do yeah. in cooking. Pesto's always a go-to. Yeah, right? right? I love making wild greens with pesto. I stumbled on, I, oh, sorry, I don't remember whose recipe this was, and I don't have the details on it, but it was like a nettle pasta. So you basically dry oh, yeah. the leaves and oh. you make it into like a sifted powder. Right. And you like you'd make a homemade pasta right. with your either your, uh, your wheat flour or your gluten-free flour or whatever, and you can make the noodle and I it looks all green. green. That's I'm awesome. Like, I think I'm going to give that one a go this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, and one thing on that note of like drying and turning into a powder i'll do i have like a a wild greens powder an essence like you know of all different greens that i you basically just scrape the bottom of your lawnmower and then dehydrate it no i'm kidding (laughs) um but i will like plants like garlic mustard dandelion nettle um just taking them drying them and then just throwing them into a thing and i'll dash that onto different dishes so just like i throw parsley in it it's just giving again in the middle of the winter some dried wild greens it just makes me think of Warmer times, I guess, you know? Yeah. And yeah. warmer times are upon us. And, right. uh, you know, those are, what we talked about, three plants there? Yeah, that was three plants. What do we yeah. got? We're coming up on an hour. Yeah. Um, I think that was an awesome, an awesome dive into wild crafting. I'm, I'm grateful for uh, your, you know, your teachings in this regard, as always. Um, definitely have always been one who's inspired me in learning more and, uh, Latin names of plants, and I know I'm not going to fit. Those. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to fit those in my brain, no matter how many times you say them. I, I just like hearing you say it. But um, you know, I appreciate you discussing how you, you know, are learning. You ask what you, you kind of, you know, put all things aside. Walk into the bush. What is here? What is in front of me? What should I be learning? And that really is to me rewilding. It's coming back, returning to the land, reconnecting with the land, seeing what's there presently, um, and and doing it in in a way that's with good intent, I guess, for its longevity, your longevity, and all that. And just keep being curious, you know. Like yesterday I was driving uh, with my daughter and uh, I was listening to a podcast about some some wild green stuff and you were listening uh, to a podcast i thought you said you didn't listen to podcasts oh actually it was a radio show okay sorry well now i do listen (laughs) to podcasts right podcast thing's kind of cool yeah well hey welcome to the 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 social distancing i mean this is might just be the the way of the future here actually we i was told the other day um we should do video i I don't know Uh what your thoughts are on that but you know we might have to do hair and makeup before we have to shave eh? no we don't have to shave i'm doing a full-on i did post the other day about this quarantine stuff and so many folks working from home right now. Um, right. It's just interesting that I think I'm, as an empath- empathetic individual, I'm soaking in this collective wear your sweatpants because I normally get up and clean myself up like I'm going to the office and work mm-hmm. from home. But lately it's just I'm letting the main, the mangy beard grow. No, you're getting wild. Getting wild, yeah. Getting wild it's, at home. It's, it's time for it. But just to finish that piece, uh, yeah, so I'm listening to this radio mm-hmm. show and you know, I think he was talking about burdock or something. And... I turn to my daughter. She's uh, going to be seven in the summer. Mm-hmm. I'm like, isn't that cool? Did you, did you hear any, learn anything there? She's like, no, I stopped listening to that. It was annoying. I, I, I already know about that stuff. Right? Come on. And, my, and, I, and I pause. I said, listen, hon, you know, you always got to have a curious mind, mm-hmm. right? Like, even I learned something. Yeah. Even daddy learned something listening to that guy speak. Yeah. And you could kind of just see her go, hmm. Right? So the, the point oh, being... Funny. Don't think you know it all. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Look at that barren stuff. piece of property with mm-hmm. the seeds on it. We're all f- right now at this sort of precipice of not knowing. Right. How can we embrace that? How can we put on our curiosity, our student hat? How can we move into something, um, r- you know, new and and be be ready to to learn and absorb yeah. those curious. potentials. Yeah. Stay curious, keep asking questions. And I think that's like, that's just it. I, yeah. I love Einstein for many reasons. One of which is that one quote, you know, question, keep asking questions and mm-hmm. I, where, however that quote goes. But yeah, it's so much, so true right now. Keep curious, keep learning. Um, we don't have it all figured out as a, as a society, as a civilization, right? And I think right now is an opportunity for us to kind of 
do just that. Sit with that. See what's next, right? Ask the questions. So. Wildcraft your soul. Yeah, without a doubt. I love this episode. So let's end it on those good notes. Thank you for being here. And uh, thank you to everybody out there listening. Please get outside. Enjoy some lovely sunshine, um, some nice spring rains, all that stuff. And stay wild. Thank you for listening to the Rewild My Bio podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this episode. I would greatly appreciate it if you shared the show with your friends, if of course you think they would like it. You can also visit rewildmybio.com to download previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter. In the newsletter, I share blogs and bonus content from my health promotion research, along with practical tips to help you rewild in a modern world. Please follow along on Instagram and Facebook at RewildMyBio and on Twitter at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, stay wild.